Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. My name is Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical. Let's biblical style it up. But before we do that, we have a couple of ground rules to cover. Such as, I'm the ex-Christian. I was raised Presbyterian, and I'm now an atheist. And I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. Also, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. And it's not for children, because... We cuss a bunch and say naughty secret words. Secret words they were never meant to know. Normally, I read the New International Version of the Bible, and you read the New Revised Standard Version. But today, we are throwing those out the window. That's Don't worry, right. we've got a lot of spares. It's a literal hail of Bibles on our street. Uh, the neighbors hate us. We hit their dog. <laughs> the dog needed Jesus. As far as we could tell, from the distance of the third story. But why did we throw all our Bibles out and endanger our reputation in our community? (laughs) Well, we have a very important text to bring to you today. And that text is the Gospel of Thomas. Gospel of Thomas. This is a Gnostic gospel. Gnostic, apocryphal, all the crazy secret adjectives that kept it out of the real canonical Bible. And out of the hands like... Of true seekers like you. Yeah. Trueseeker.biz <laughs> is just handing out Gospels of Thomas left and right. Your one-stop Gnostic Gospel shop. Stop. Shop. Yeah. Totally. One-stop Apocryphal Gnostic Gospel shop. So before we get into the Gospel of Thomas, we got to do like a Gnostic primer. Okay. Because this shit is weird. Mm-hmm. Uh and also, I did a lot of research on it. <laughs> so that's not going to waste. <laughs> somebody's going to hear about it, listeners. Yeah, so somebody's got to fucking hear about it. Better you this. than me, frankly. So I'm going to be reading a book, I guess. I don't know. There were <laughs> two big archaeological finds in the 20th century that really, like, changed our knowledge of the Bible. Right. One was when Brendan Fraser cracked open that mummy's tomb. Yes. And then, of course, the other one was the Da Vinci Code. Right. Um, No, they were the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Nag Hammadi Library. Ooh. So the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in the West Bank area. So, you know, like Israel, Palestine. Um, They were used by a Jewish group called the Essenes. They're written in Hebrew and Aramaic. And they tell us stuff about the Old Testament. Mm. But they don't have anything about Jesus or any New Testament stuff. The Nag Hammadi Library, on the other hand, was found in Egypt. And it's basically, it was like this this one book that was bound together of just all these different texts from different authors, from different places and times. Um, and they were mostly Gnostic. So Gnostics were an early group of Christians that were generally enemies with the group that eventually became like official Mm. Christians who we call a proto-Orthodox because they became what was known as Orthodox. Um, And Gnosticism, we know that it was very popular because proto-Orthodox writers spent a lot of time writing about how they were evil and no one should follow them and like trying to refute all their ideas. That's a good test for popularity yeah. to see how many people are writing about how evil they are. Yeah. Yeah. And and like making up all these lies about how they like had orgies 
as like for church and stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, why would you write that if you were trying to we're discourage trying to dis- people? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's um, like instead of regular church, they have sex church. <laughs> well, sex church? Oh, God. Sex church sounds like. Okay, well, fair enough. There's sounds two like... great tastes that don't taste right together. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and the Nag Hammadi Library makes clear that there were a lot of different strains of Gnostic thought also. Mm. So you can also tell it's popular because, like, there were enough of them to have a lot of different views. Mm. Um, also, because there are so many subgroups, when we talk about, like, what Gnostics believe, mm-hmm. quote unquote, that's a generalization just, like, necessarily. Because uh, yeah, for more info, find the Twitter hashtag, hashtag <laughs> what Gnostics believe. Yeah, I'm sure there's. A lot of really informative stuff there <laughs> that's not written by crazy people. Um, this is what a real Gnostic looks like. Yes. <laughs> that's my favorite T-shirt. So, uh, so yeah, we're going to be making some some kind of broad statements uh, when we talk about Gnosticism, but, like, whatever, good enough for a podcast. Yeah, you're going to have to crack your Encyclopedia Britannica if you want the real story. <laughs> I don't actually... I'm trying to... I wonder what the Encyclopedia Britannica even has about Gnosticism. Probably has some well-researched, well-thought-out articles. Top quality publication. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Gnostic creation story. Okay. Tell me a story, Lauren. Now, we're all familiar with the creation story as laid out in Genesis, mm-hmm. where there was God, and he created, you know, darkness and light and shit, created the world, created animals and plants and humans. For Gnostics, they believe, so they're... they're was a god there is a god who's all-knowing and all-powerful and all-perfect you know but that is not the god that you read about in genesis Mm. this god did create things but they weren't the earth he created all these weird they're called like eons and archons sure they're like the lower ranks of gods right yeah pretty much but they're also like incarnations of the same god yeah it's a little unclear. They're different emanations. That's the word they use, right? <clears throat> That's the word some of them sometimes use. Okay. Yeah. And they're often like associated with uh like virtues. So it's like, oh yeah, like God created like grace and uh wisdom. Yeah. Um it's kind of like similar to the Jewish hierarchy of angels if you want to think of it that way. One of these these eons wisdom aka sophia mm-hmm. which is greek for wisdom for some reason decided that she wanted to create a little child eon uh just by herself without getting god's permission or she wanted something of her own on the side or so she didn't have to kick anything upstairs yeah exactly we all know how that goes yeah also like i guess she had like a husband eon it's it's pretty weird i don't know but she decided to just like parthenogenesize another Eon, but because she did it without God's permission, it was like horrible to behold and uh, it was all fucked up. So she cast it out of heaven. Um, <clears throat> and this little fucked up child was named Yalta Baoth and it became the Old Testament God. And it thinks that it's the the real god mm-hmm. it thinks it's the it's the highest power and that it's perfect and all-knowing and all-powerful but it's actually not 
And so for Gnostics, that's why the world is all fucked up and there's all this pain and suffering. Uh, it's not because of human sin. It's not because of the devil. It's because we were created by this fucked up miscreant god. Mm. We got a little runoff god. Yeah, this we don't little, even have like little junior god. We have like the gray market knockoff version of yeah, god. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got like Prado bags. <laughs> Prado. Yeah, called Yalta Baoth, or also known as the Demiurge. Oh my god. Yeah. Which is just Greek for like a craftsman or like a maker. Mm. Um, because he, you know, he's this, not an artist. Right. He's like a skilled craftsman. Right. Because he does make the world and he, he makes plants and animals and humans and everything. Um, but if he were truly God or even just a higher ranking eon, then the world wouldn't be all just like a shithole. Yeah, it like doesn't it make is. any sense. That why, you know, this, why would you create a world so unbalanced? Yeah. You know? And it seems like some Gnostic groups like thought that the Demiurge was like evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some were like, oh, you know, he's like doing his best. He's, yeah, he's like, you know, ultimately flawed, but still like pretty good, you know, because if you like look at the laws of Moses, you know, some of them make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Right. So like if he was saying, yeah, you know, like don't murder, don't steal, you know, that that guy pretty much knows what he's talking about. The shrimp stuff. I don't know. That doesn't seem real, <laughs> you know. Mm hmm. There's a lot more to it than that. I read several detailed Gnostic creation stories that are insane. Mm-hmm. It's it's just like, where do you even get the details? Like, I don't even know how did this become like thought of as a sacred mythology because it just seems like it's like just made up. It's like Scientology or something. Right. I don't know. Like there was one and then they, like they get the Jewish angel system involved. Yeah. And then like one of them threw in like Eros, like the Greek god Eros. Okay, sure. And it's it just like. I mean, if you're going to throw anything in. Yeah. You know, you got like Samael, you got like, you know, whatever, all these angels. Oh, Eros was in there and he made people want to bone. Mm-hmm. He like showed them how to drink wine and how to bone. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's pretty weird to be like yeah well obviously this is how the world was created well none of those i mean like if you think about all those other evil angels that we read about most of them were concerned with pretty nerdy things i guess that's true being doctor yeah like astronomizing yeah also makeup also makeup well i mean then somebody's like well what do i do i look i look great but i got nowhere to go and then eros is like holding up a bottle of wine (laughs) he's like hey "Hey, guys so what gnostics believed is that as humans, well, some humans have a spark of the divine in them mm. um, that's, you know, kind of somehow has made it through all the levels of of hierarchy and through the shitty God into his creation. We still have a little spark of the real divine God in us. Okay. And so when we die, when our miscreant bodies die... Our souls, which are our real selves, can rejoin the perfect heavenly realm where the real God lives, which is called the pleroma. Okay, that sounds like something horrible. That I know, would right? It sounds like a, like a STD, mm-hmm. but it's actually Greek for fullness. Oh wow! So it's like this is like the complete heaven where everything is perfect. Um, but to get there, you have to basically like figure out the truth about all this stuff. Um, and understand all this stuff, um, which basically you have to gain knowledge, which the Greek word for knowledge is gnosis. Gnosis. Mm. Uh, it's the same root 
I'm going to jump in the etymology corner really quick. Okay. The timer is running. Same root as the Spanish word conocer. Okay. Gnosis. Okay. And like um, in French, like reconnoiter, reconnaissance. Those are all. Great pronunciation, by the way. <laughs> yeah, obviously I don't speak French. Uh, those are all uh, gnosis, knowledge. Um, and that's, yeah, so that's what Gnosticism is. It's knowledge. And then when you say you're agnostic nowadays, that's like you don't have knowledge. You just accept that you don't know mm. whether there's a God or not. Uh, different Gnostic groups had different views about Jesus. But for our purposes, we're going to talk about the view, basically the main view that Jesus came down to give us this knowledge so that we could get up back to the Pleroma. But some of them, from my very brief reading, not even a comparison to the hard work that you put in. <laughs> I spent years on this. <laughs> I've been training since I was a child. They recruited me. They brought me to the gymnastics center. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Good story. But the some groups believe that, you know, Jesus was an element of the divine that was brought down. Some people believe that he was just a person that had figured out this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that had, you know, found the gnosis in himself and wants to awaken it in other people, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So, like, in the same way that other early Christians were fighting about whether Jesus was God mm -hmm. or whether Jesus was a man who was inspired by God yeah. or somewhere in between, the Gnostics had their own versions of it. And you see it play things. out, yeah, they had, they had their own versions of it and, and that are, like, really parallel. Mm -hmm. um, because, like, a big controversy in the early church is, like... Um, was Jesus, like, physically human? Right. Um, and so, like, Gnostics also had their their own controversies about that, like, whether it was, like, you know, a divine being that came down and just appeared human. Or was he in a body, the body of a man, or was he born a man and became or, divine later, or yeah. all this other stuff? Or, like, some thought that, like, he was inhabited, like, he started, Jesus was a guy, and then Christ was, like, a divine being that inhabited him when he was baptized. And that left him when he was crucified. Mm. And that that's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me on the cross? Because like oh. his divine element literally he got left that, him. He got that scary goose sucked right out of yeah, him. Yeah, he got the goose sucked out. Yeah. And then he then he was the one who was spooked. Yeah. So very complex theology. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so the weird thing, I think, is like if I had if I believed this type of stuff, I would want to spread this knowledge as far and wide as possible uh -huh. but gnostics were really into keeping it secret and gnostic texts are often about like the secret shit that jesus said that regular christians don't know about or they can't understand it um and it was apparently like really rare to have like you wouldn't have like a gnostic church or like oh the church in this you know the christian church in this city is gnostic that's what i read as well is that even early on, there was no, like, central leadership or central, like, orthodoxy around Gnosticism. They would just be hiding out in other churches. Mm, so you'd have... Sleeper cell. Yeah, so you'd have, you know, your regular, like, proto-orthodox church or, like, whatever, a Marcionite church or whatever. And there'd be a group of them in there that were like, oh, but we know all the secret shit that these, you know... Everyone knows this basic stuff about Jesus, but we know all the secret shit. It's funny how, like, even... A hundred years after Jesus's death in the early, early church, people could be like, well, you know, these idiots don't know. Yeah, totally. We got the, we got the real stuff. <laughs> totally. Um, they were also super, super 
dualistic, even more so than other Christian groups. So like I think of that and we've talked about it a lot on the podcast as being like a, a big hallmark of Christianity that uh, the world we live in is sinful and bad. And, uh, you know, if you believe in Jesus, you're living for the next world and mm. you're living for your eternal life. And you shouldn't focus on improving this world. You should just focus on getting to heaven. Right. So like Gnostics, like really, they pumped that up, baby. Mm -hmm. They pumped that dualism right up. Um, so it was like this world, it isn't just like bad because of human sin or whatever. Like it's a cosmic reject right it's like inherently flawed yeah and like, unbalanced and not everything about this world shouldn't even exist right it's just like a perversion of the concept of existence um and so you really want to get out of here <laughs> <laughs> they also believe that like they believe like some humans like didn't even have the spark of the divine so some humans were just like the same as animals and could never yeah, go yeah. to heaven. I saw saw a little bit of that. And then like regular Christians were like possibly could go to heaven, you know? But then like Gnostics were the were the true believers. And very conveniently, I'm sure it was just like whoever was at the Gnostic club meeting, we're like, Thank God we all have the spark of Gnosis in us. It's well, not like, well, Jimmy over there, you know. I bet I will bet they found a Jimmy over there to yeah. ostracize because that's what groups do. I was gonna say like Jimmy has a van, though. Oh, Jimmy has a van. <laughs> like, I don't know how we're all going to get to Alexandria if we, like, kick him out. And, like, Timmy over here, he's great, but he's, you know, we don't have enough seats in the van. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Work on your gnosis at home, so, and we'll be back from Alexandria in a week. So that's why uh, proto-Orthodox groups and other groups probably, too, were like, oh, like, they're having orgies because they like think that this world isn't even real and like you know bodies don't matter so whatever but actually it seems like from what we know from basically from what we found in the Nag Hammadi library um that how long did you work on that dig by the way what, no, you said we very confidently oh <laughs> um well me and all the other uh extremely professional biblical scholars who I call my friends and colleagues um, They're lucky to call you their friend. Yeah, exactly, because I'm definitely in the top ten of them. Uh, all top ten all time biblical scholars. Top ten all time colleagues, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I always bring cookies. Uh, no, um, they were actually probably like super ascetic, and they were all about like punishing the body, um, which is also, of course, a huge strain in other groups of Christianity and you know, continues into the Middle Ages in very weird ways. You know, you get whatever, self-flagellation and starvation and, and all kinds of stuff like that. That uh, Orthodox stuff actually was was quite similar, mm. apparently, to Gnostic practices, from what I know as some idiot with a podcast. Right. You're not just some idiot. You're my idiot. Oh, thank you, baby. What we're actually here to talk about is a little thing called the Gospel of Thomas, and we will talk about it. In just a moment, we're yeah. going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back. You're going to hear some music, and then we'll talk about the gospel O Thomas. We're going to make you wait for it. That's right. G-O-T, Sunday night, baby. Everybody knows what that means, gospel of Thomas. Gospel of Thomas. Okay, we'll see you in a minute. Bye. Bye.
to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And I wanted to give our listeners a little fish update. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned last episode. Breaking news, everybody. That uh, my childhood fish, Perkley's, which was how my brother pronounced Hercules at the time we acquired the fish at a Halloween festival, lived for like something like 12 years and then died and stayed in my mom's freezer for another like 10 years. <laughs> um, so I got a text from my mom after she heard the episode and she updated me about Perkley's fate, mm-hmm. which is that he died while we were on vacation. So there was a house sitter and she just wrapped the fish up in uh, a paper towel and put him in the freezer so we could, you know, bury him if we wanted or flush him down the toilet, whatever we wanted to do. And then he just stayed there uh, forever. And then my mom said that, unfortunately, unbeknownst to her, the fish was disposed of when when she got a new fridge at that house. And uh, like, I'm sure was the funeral planned for the for fall 2025 <laughs> yes, i don't know <laughs> unbeknownst to my mom the fish was unceremoniously thrown away she gave me a sad face emoji so Perkley's was gone even before she moved um let's all say a little prayer that Perkley's can join the pleroma <laughs> it's it's how all great fish go not with a bang but with a whimper <laughs> but with a a, a plop mm-hmm. okay so we're talking about the gospel of thomas a secret Gnostic gospel that the folks at church didn't want you to read. That's right. It was found in the... Oh, I'm, I'm doing fast facts now, just FYI. Okay. These facts are going to be fast as hell. Found in the Nag Hammadi Library in Egypt, um, which is just a book, but it's called a library. Um, and the copy we have is written in Coptic, mm. which was the main language in Egypt back in the day uh, before Arabic. But it was probably translated from Greek, so it's probably written in Greek. Okay. Um, it's supposed to be written by Thomas, not the disciple Thomas, but Jesus's twin brother Thomas, oh. who did not exist, <laughs> and um, who we'll hear more about in an upcoming episode. Uh, so in the canonical Bible, there's there's four gospels, mm-hmm. and and. That means basically like that it's a story. It's the story of Jesus' life. So there's four of them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, this book is is called a gospel, but it has no narrative. It's just a collection of sayings. Secret sayings, <laughs> to be more specific. As it says in literally the, the first, first line, line, these are the secret sayings which the living Jesus spoke and which Didymus Judas Thomas wrote down. Didymus means twin in Greek. And Thomas means twin in Aramaic. So he's twin Judas twin. He's he's twin Jewish twin. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's who he is. Um, A totally believable name mm-hmm. for Ju- for Jesus's twin brother. And uh, I don't have any. Well, I have one more fast fact, which is just basically that some people try to say that like, oh, this is more um, representative of the true Jesus, like. These things got edited out of the real Gospels, hmm. um, but it was probably written after the real Gospels. So that's that's all. But it probably shares some of the same sources. Yes, probably. For example, the infamous Q source. Yes. <laughs> I've read so much about the Q source. We haven't really talked about it on the podcast. Um, do you do you want to share anything about about Q? Uh, I don't I don't have a lot of info, but 
some of the stuff that ended up in the synoptic gospels, especially where Jesus's quotes and yes. and memorable sayings were concerned, were from this one source that, called, yeah, called that's Q. It's been lost to time. Yeah. Um, it's called Q because the German word for source is like quella. Hmm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but just I thought it was for Q. like quotes, like notable quotables. Uh, that would be better. Let's just say it's that. Hey, everyone, guess what? We're changing the field of bibliology again. I know we changed it <laughs> several times before. We're innovators. Um, but so let's let's return to sentence number one. Okay. It's weird. It's super weird. I mean, the whole thing is super weird. And it doesn't skimp on the weirdness early. It's not like trying to easy into it. No. It's like, here's Jesus' secret sayings. And it says, whoever finds the interpretation of these sayings will not experience death. So this is like very clearly Gnostic. If you gain this knowledge, if you understand the interpretations, then you will go to heaven. I'm not sure if this is the same line and we just have different translations. But the second line in the translation that I read was, let him who seeks continue seeking until he finds. When he finds, he will become troubled. When he becomes troubled, he will be astonished and he will rule over the all. Yes, that is that is the next line. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because like, seek and ye shall find is a quote from the canonical gospels. Mm-hmm. But this one takes it and just runs with it. <laughs> so there's a lot of material. Basically, okay, so there's no there's no narrative in this. It's just 114 sayings of Jesus. And it's a, a strong little... number. <laughs> is it? Actually, I think it's a pretty weak number. It's just like, what does it mean? 114? I don't know. It's not a multiple of 12. It's not a multiple of 7. Well, I mean, they're they're cracking all of that symbology wide open, though. I mean, there's a lot of twos and threes in this. Two, oh, that's true. Two, one, three, and one. And one, yeah. So a little over half of these sayings are pretty much the same as in the canonical gospels. Mm. So you've got, uh, like, the parable of the mustard seed is in there. Um the parable of the sower, where like a man sows seeds and some of them fall on rocky soil, some of them get eaten, but some of them bloom. Still my pick for the all-time worst parable in the Bible, <laughs> the uh, vine tenders or the oh, tenant farmers. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one where the guy keeps sending the servants to collect rent and they keep killing them. Yeah, and then he sends his son and they kill the son. Yeah. And then the parable ends. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is this about? Well, it's I mean, God I, sending prophets and then Jesus. I understand that, Jesus. but the parable should have to do with the real world in order to make it a parable. <laughs> but like, why what would if killing the parable the... exists to just give you secret knowledge? Wow, that makes more sense then. Honestly. Like, that just reading it and not understanding it brings you closer to some secret <laughs> it is actually kind egg of, of knowledge. It is kind of an interesting way to interpret or to like look at the canonical mm. parables mm-hmm. because you notice that every time that he says them the disciples don't understand them mm-hmm. and they're like can you please explain it to us and he's like you guys just figure it out you know so if you if you kind of take that idea and like build your whole <laughs> your whole theology around that around him being like guys just figure it out okay but the way he says figure it out in, in the Gospels, as far as I read them, was it's like it should be obvious. There is a correct interpretation yeah. of it, and it's it should be understandable and obvious. Yeah. Well, in this one, it's just like, hey, knowledge bomb. It just goes off. Yeah. Like you don't have to, you don't have to think about the bomb because you've already gotten blown up <laughs> just by reading it. Your phone's blowing up with wisdom. <laughs> with wisdom. Who's that on the phone? It's Sophia. And she's like, sorry for making that weird God. He mm-hmm. was bad. Come on up and join me in heaven when you die. Uh, parable of the 
banquet, I think, where the rich guy invites uh, like other rich guys to the banquet, but then they all turn him down. So then he invites poor people or like servants or something. Mm-hmm. Um, got the hundred sheep. You got blind leading the blind. Uh, render unto Caesar. Uh, uh, remove the plank in your own eye. Mm-hmm. So you know, a lot of those uh, pearl before. Pearls Before Swine. Classic Bibble stuff. Yeah. But then there's some weird stuff. I mean, it's not even and then. Like, the stuff gets weird from right away. Like oh, I yeah. Said, I mean, it's all sprinkled throughout. Yeah, because there's no narrative. It doesn't, like, progress in yeah. any in any meaningful way, except I guess you go on a, a journey of progression by, like, reading this stuff and changing yourself. Yeah, a yourself journey of getting you... progressively more confused and angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just saying... It doesn't need a traditional narrative because the narrative that unfolds is your own journey to wisdom uh-huh, of as course. you are stumped by this garbage. Totally. Um, it's not, well. It's not garbage. You know what? That was that was really harsh. And I apologize to all of the Gnostics out there. Yeah. I think you should, you should just tone down your ignorance a little bit. You're right. And um, stop calling things garbage when they're actually trash. I just love garbage so much. <laughs> so. So weird thing number one. Yeah. It's the language is very, very different from anything else that we've read in any of the canonical or not canonical books. Well, it's kind of like the book of John, right? The Gospel of John. It's a little bit. Although it doesn't like share any material, like all the stuff it shares is with the synoptic gospels. Hmm. But I feel like the Jesus in this one is most similar to the Jesus in John, who is always like just talking about like mystical shit. I think that's fair. But the mysticism in this is like. On another level. True. Like, it's like, he's like, hey, for example, here's unexplained concept A, and it contradicts explainable concept B. That's the end of the sentence. Correct. Yeah. Um, Do you want to give an example of that? (laughs) Yeah, let me find one. Jesus himself explains it a little bit in, in a passage where there's actually like a small narrative packed into one of these. Yeah, sometimes the sayings will have a little back and forth between Jesus and his disciples. And in this one, it's a very gospelish moment where jesus asks his disciples to compare him to something yes and then the so peter says he's like an angel Mm -hmm. and then matthew says he's like a philosopher right and then thomas i'm not sure if that's supposed to be the disciple thomas or our author thomas um says he can't like he can't compare him to anything right and then the text says he took him speaking of Thomas, and withdrew and told him three things. When Thomas returned to his companions, they asked him, What did Jesus say to you? Thomas said to them, If I tell you one of the things which he told me, you will pick up stones and throw them at me. A fire will come out of the stones and burn you up. Yep. So, like, Jesus had secrets even from the disciples. Yeah. That only, like, some of the disciples got these next-level secrets. And even in the text that's supposed to be about his secret sayings, you still can't hear them. You still can't hear them. Yeah. They're too crazy. Yeah. Because they're they're crazy contradictions of, yeah, of all something. the things that you think, I assume. Or something. I'm trying to imagine what could be so incendiary as to literally set rocks aflame. I mean, I wonder if it's like the Greek god Eros was part of creation. <laughs> you know? I wonder yeah. if it was like a Xenu style reveal, like mm. get you in and then be like... Because honestly, these creation stories are wacky Mm -hmm. like they're wacky another one another thing that i thought was strange in here the 
there's a line that says, The disciples said to Jesus, We know that you will depart from us, who is to be our leader. Jesus said to them, Wherever you are, you are to go to James the righteous, for whose sake heaven and earth came into being. Oh, yeah, I didn't get that at all. Now, that I assume is Jesus' brother, James. Yeah, probably, or could be the disciple James. Yeah, it's just weird. In all of this mysticism, where it's like, you know, you have to forgo the body and like move beyond yourself so that you can leave behind this corpse of a world and ascend like a spirit into heaven or whatever like there's a little still been a little bit of that politics mixed in <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah like this is clearly even in these crazy gnostic texts interesting i'll bet you have some of this internecine internecine i don't know how you say it i don't either conflict sprinkled on top like a delicious political jimmy thousands and thousands can we talk about some of these corpse Oh, yeah, verses? absolutely. They talk a lot about corpses. Yeah. Which is kind of metal. <laughs> so, okay, here's one I wrote down. Um, at one point, Jesus and the disciples see a guy carrying a lamb, and Jesus remarks that the man can't eat the lamb until after he's killed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, therefore, you too... Look for a place for yourselves within repose, lest you become a corpse and be eaten. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means. I guess just don't, just find find knowledge and go to heaven instead of being, being obsessed a, with your body because you could, that's just like a lamb's body that could be killed and eaten, I there's guess. There's also that one about the lion. Yes, I don't get that at all. Blessed is the lion which becomes man when consumed by man. And cursed is the man whom the lion consumes, and the lion becomes man. But shouldn't the man become the lion in the second example, and that's why he's cursed? Or, like, it seems to defy even its own internal logic. It does, but think about what your brain is doing right now. Are you working towards gnosis right now? No, I'm rejecting it. I'm going, this is dumb. Well, but I mean, like, even in rejection, you might be changing the way that you think i think i'm just like not one of the chosen well, I, I think that as well but I, <laughs> you wouldn't hear me say that out loud um another corpse mention um jesus said whoever has come to understand the world has found only a corpse and whoever has found a corpse is superior to the world yeah so okay. i think i get that one yeah that one's like yeah, the world is is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> once you once you Jesus re- is Fiona Apple, and he's like, Definitely. this world is bullshit. <laughs> once and once you realize, once you see the world for the stinking corpse that it is, yeah, you are better than the world. Yeah, because you know. Um. There's also, I like uh. His disciples ask when he'll be when Jesus will be revealed to them, which I guess he isn't already. I don't know. And he says that he will be revealed when you disrobe without being ashamed and take up your garments and place them under your feet like little children and tread on them. Then you will see the son of the living one and you will not be afraid. Well, I mean, this is the same message, which is to leave your garments like the physical, yeah, like physical raiments behind. Yes. Tread on them like nice little, vocab words, little children and yeah. using the, the innocence and piercing wisdom of a small child's right. mind a seven-day-old child as mm-hmm. jesus specifies that's who you should ask it for advice from he says a seven-day-old child hasn't been circumcised yet that happens on day eight mm, interesting 
Um, there's also the one um, that we that we quoted in Second Clement a couple episodes ago, which is um, in Second Clement they interpreted it to mean something very ordinary, mm-hmm. but it sounds a lot more fucked up here. So it's when you make the two one, and when you make the inside like the outside, and the outside like the inside. And the above like the below. And when you make the male and female one and the same, so that the male be not male, nor the female female. And when you fashion eyes in place of an eye, and a hand in place of a hand, and a foot in place of a foot, and a likeness in place of a likeness, then will you enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't know what that means. I mean, I think it's just like when you transcend physicality. Yeah, yeah. There's no male But you're replacing your feet with like spiritual feet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And yeah, which like seems just like a really complicated way of saying that. I agree. It seems like unnecessarily complicated. Well, yeah, but that's that's why you have to. I mean, that's a hallmark of a secret society. I guess is so. saying simple things in a complicated way. What about speaking of simple things? Uh-huh. There are a few oddly sort of quotidian uh-huh. uh, commandments in here. Uh huh. For example. If you do not fast as regards the world, you will not find the kingdom. If you do not observe the Sabbath as a Sabbath, you will not see the Father. This is Christianity 101. Yes. Why is this in the Although secret then sayings? later he says that like fasting doesn't matter. <laughs> well, even, even more oddly quotidian, I'd say, is this line where Jesus says, Do not be concerned from morning until evening and from evening until morning about what you will wear. Yeah, well, that's in... I mean, that's a, that's a good metaphor, too. But I think that's also in the canonical Gospels. Is that true? I think so, yeah. Um, and it's and, and it means basically the same thing there, that just don't be concerned with this world. Yeah. Be it's concerned just, with the next one. It's just funny when, at one moment, you're like, once you see what a rotting corpse the world is, <laughs> you will, like, ascend yeah. above the human trash. And then in the next line, it's like, hey, don't be concerned you about everything that you wear. You don't gotta worry about fashion. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, you just told us to take off our bodies and jump on them like children. <laughs> but of course, I'm not going to be worried about what I wear. Um, also, uh, this one, this one, I think, may be the one that I'm least clear on in the entire book. The kingdom of the father is like a certain man who wanted to kill a powerful man. Mm-hmm. In his own house, he drew his sword and stuck it into the wall in order to find out whether his hand could carry through. Then he slew the powerful man. Nico's nodding at me like that gif of uh, Christian Bale and Kermit the Frog nodding at each other. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what that means. What the hell? Who is the certain man? And who is the powerful man? And why did it matter that he like tested out his own strength at home before he tried to kill somebody? And why did he test it by sticking a sword in a wall? What does that mean? I mean, we got to sign up for their newsletter or something. Somebody's going to get paid for us to know this knowledge. <laughs> That's how it works, right? Oh, you think it's like a pyramid scheme. Wow. I mean, like, wow. the pyramids were created by ancient aliens. Uh, okay. Yeah, That's yeah, what, yeah. That's, and they invented the from, first from the pleroma scheme. Um, One thing in here is that he, Jesus says that no human is equal to John the Baptist. That's right. He says John the Baptist is the holiest man. Uh, but anybody who makes it to heaven is necessarily equal to holier than mm. any human, such as John the Baptist. Yeah, I like that. I think he should get more props, John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Yeah, I mean he 
did some strong work. Apparently, there were some some Gnostic groups that thought that like John the Baptist was the real guy mm. and Jesus like was stealing his thunder. Yeah, once you assume that there are like secrets hidden under every layer of information that you're provided, then like anything's fair game. Like you can come up with some crazy shit. Well, yeah, I mean that's true. That's like how conspiracy theories work. I know, it's great. It's like you take a a grain of truth and then you're like, but underneath the surface, there's some crazy shit going on. Yeah. Like, for example, underneath the surface of our world, Uh where like the mole men live in the hollow earth. Correct, yeah. Or we live in the hollow earth. That one's still blowing my mind. I I like that there are two (laughs) hollow earth theories. I learned about, we learned about it in our Ezekiel episode and it's, I still think about it so often. I'm still like the giant trees. They became mazes. <laughs> um, Good stuff. But also something that's interesting, like a connection that I'm seeing um, due to my conspiracy theorist mind, is like in modern conspiracy theories, you see a lot of this idea that there's this secret crazy shit going on, but that the people doing this secret crazy shit will always like signal it with some symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, and like what was super crazy to me recently was the whole Pizzagate thing. Sure. Um, so like the name of the of the restaurant from which Hillary Clinton was supposedly running a child sex abuse ring mm-hmm. um, was Comet Ping Pong. And so they were like, well, the initials are CP, so that means child pornography. And it was like, if they were running a child sexual abuse ring, why would they find some secret way to signal that? Why wouldn't they just keep it a secret, you know? So I'm kind of wondering if that applies in some way to this, where it's like... Mm. Yeah, there's all this secret crazy stuff that they don't want you to know. But obviously, Jesus left a little hint. And the hint was that he said, you know, the blind are leading the blind. And that means blah, blah, blah. Like, that means the physical form is blind because we live in this fake world. And that means you can't trust any of the other apostles or disciples. I mean, you can't trust anything about anything. Yeah. That's like how when people get too deep into conspiracy theories. It does start to break down. Yeah. You can't really tell what's real or not anymore, which is kind of a big problem in our society right now. But let's not get too political. <laughs> Instead, I just want to point out that Jesus said, It is I who am the light which is above them all. It is I who am the all. From me did the all come forth, and unto me did the all extend. Now that's great, just mystical nonsense. Mm-hmm. Split a piece of wood, and I am there. Lift up the stone, and you will find me there. So he's both the lizard and the spizder. The the what now? The spizder. Oh, the spizder mm-hmm. and the lizard. Mm-hmm. Got it. This is an incident in my life in high school. Is that like my friend was over at my house, and then my dad like started on this diatribe about how like God isn't in the in the wood or like stones or anything like and that's like animism or whatever and i was so embarrassed that i drove my friend home because i was like what the fuck is even happening why is my dad ranting about god (laughs) (laughs) and now i wish that this was in the bible for real so that i could have been like actually (laughs) (laughs) oh my god according to the gospel of thomas (laughs) 
He is in the stone and also the wood. Yeah. Well, he's under the stone and he's inside the wood. Yeah. Like a spider or lizard would yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So then the last verse is really weird. Very strange. Interesting. Um, it's weird even like it doesn't seem to fit with the rest of it necessarily. I don't know. Peter, the disciple, Simon Peter, says, let Mary leave us for women are not worthy of life. Mm-hmm. So first of all, Mary hasn't been mentioned yet. No. There, there's been no mention of her previously. So just all of a sudden she's here and Peter wants her to leave because women are not worthy of life. And Jesus says, I myself shall lead her in order to make her male so that she may become a living spirit resembling you males. For every woman who will make herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. So this must this is supposed to be a metaphor as well about the same central thing, I think, which is yes. throwing off the physical form clearly and becoming all mental. And, so like this and must I mean, be their idea of a split that women are are physically bound because they have children or something like that. I mean, is it? So like earlier there was the line about like there is no male or female. Right, but there was also a line about you know, you won't know true gnosis until male becomes female and or and f- they become one specifically. Yeah, they become one and male is not male and female is not female. Right. But so then why here is it saying that male, the female will become male and not that they will become one? Like this was that's throughout the book. There's that's been... what I'm saying. It's a, I think it's a metaphor just like throwing off your clothes. Hmm. Just like if you're if you're thinking like a female, uh-huh. you know, about clothes shoes <laughs> makeup mm-hmm. but you got to throw it off and think like a man think about money sports shoes or what i, I don't know in their in their reckoning <laughs> whatever men think about <laughs> sports and shoes mainly in, in, in their reckoning i think men think about fucking gnosis or like moving past this but strange corpse of a world see, i don't think so because mm. i feel like Maleness was earlier denigrated as as a form of physicality. That's that's a good point. That's preventing you. That is something that you're supposed to move past. Yeah. Now. So I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, clearly this is like a, a kind of random assortment of <laughs> sayings that aren't necessarily internally consistent. Yeah, and I will say, reading it is like jumping all over the place from like the relatively safe canonical to like the bizarre mystical from yeah. like line to line. So it's very, it's slightly disorienting. And like, like very concrete stuff that makes sense into just like a bunch of random, like abstract nouns that don't hold together. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just so weird. It's so weird that all of a sudden Mary is like in danger of getting kicked out. First of all, like Mary's presence as if she were a disciple. But I don't know. Yeah. This one, this one in particular creates it's a very strange way to end the text as yeah. well because it creates this odd narrative overhang where we're like, why is Simon complaining about Mary now? Like, what's going on? And what happens to Mary? Yeah, we'll never find out. Did she make it to heaven? Did she make it to the Pleroma? Did she jump on her body like a child? She had to have. But we'll find all that and more next time on Sunday School Dropout. We'll never find any of that. <laughs> <laughs> and nor will anyone else. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) So, my dear, how would you rate this book? I think I'm going to give it two out of six hands in place of a hand. Wow. You were slamming this book. 
I'm slamming it because the more I think about it, it's like, how to express this? So, like, half the shit is normal. (laughs) And half the shit is weird. Uh Uh-huh. But the weird shit isn't actually that weird. It's just, like, complicated ways of saying, like, that the world is bullshit and having a physical form is bullshit. And it just seems like you don't really need to get all fucking mystic to say that. That doesn't, you don't need to find a bunch of secret ways to express that. Regular Christianity already expresses that Mm. in a much more straightforward way. I don't know. I mean, I agree. I agree that I want to be uploaded to the cloud and not have to suffer in a physical body. I even grabbed a spot on here that was something for Lauren (laughs) specifically. Jesus said, if the flesh came into being because of spirit, it is a wonder. But if spirit came into being because of the body, it is a wonder of wonders. Indeed, (laughs) I am amazed at how this great wealth has been made home in this poverty. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Bodies are bullshit. And you're a strong antibody activist. Yeah, I would I would like to live in the cloud. I would like to be a robot. However, <laughs> just say you want to be a robot. Doesn't mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. A spiritual a spiritual if bot. If you want to be a spiritual robot, just say that you want to be a spiritual robot and don't make a big deal out of it. That's what I think. Don't obfuscate that. Yeah. What how are how are you gonna write this book? I'm thinking I'm gonna give it five out of eight passers by. Okay. I'm taking that from the line in the book, which I think was m- maybe the best, which is just it's four words. Jesus said, become passersby. Mm. Now, that is strong mysticism because like that's the message of the book. Yes. In only four words. Yeah. See, that should just be the whole book. That's it. I mean, that's a that's a deep statement, though. <laughs> if that's just the whole book, that's great. You can meditate on that for hours. It's just two words. Mm-hmm. You don't need all these this hand waving, yeah, or like retreads of like the greatest hits and not. If you don't mind my mind saying some of these not so greatest hits, not some of the greatest hits of the parable, um, the parable like the game. one about paying taxes. <laughs> That's nobody's favorite story. <laughs> um, but I will say, Jesus said, "Become passerby's, passersby." There we go, like Whoppers Junior, yeah, or Attorneys General. Um, Chiefs of Staves. <laughs> I like that because, I I I mean I I like a little bit of this fresh flavor tossed on top of this uh, Christian stuff, but at the same time it doesn't have a narrative and there doesn't really feel like an ideological flow throughout the throughout the piece. I feel like if you would just rearrange some of this stuff so that you were like taking somebody on a journey mm. with some of these yeah. statements could use could use a lot more craft. Then you you would might have like a really effective piece of mystical stuff because like just by reading through and maybe even starting with stuff that you would recognize or the more straightforward stuff and moving towards the mystical, you'd be like, oh, there were things I didn't understand about this stuff I already knew. Now I'm arriving. Now I'm considering this in light of all the stuff I'd read before, but instead it's just kind of it's just kind of all over the place. Yeah, and that may have to do you know more with like the fact that we only have a couple of versions of this thing, I guess. I mean, that's, yeah, that's possible. Or they're fragmentary or whatever. But anyway, we can only judge what we have in front of us. Um, And I judge it 
a five out of eight. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. I agree. That's fair. I gave it. I gave it a little more uh, credit than you did. I think just because I have a certain fondness for like weird mystical mystical stuff. garbage. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. That's fair. It just seems like. I mean, it's too close to religion for you. That seems that makes perfectly sense. <laughs> it just seems like give it to me straight, Doc. I understand. Tell me what I got to do about my soul. Mm-hmm. Don't. Don't make it a secret. Tell me where to point this soul, okay? Yeah, exactly. Don't don't make it a secret. Oh, fair enough. Well, that is the Gospel of Thomas. Uh, we'll be doing more Gnostic stuff in the future. T-B-A. T-B-D. Mm-hmm. T-B-B, T-B-C, all the T-Bs. That's right. Every kind except antibiotic resistance. <laughs> MRSA, T-B. No thank you, please. And while we might not have any flavor of tuberculosis, what we do have is some lovely listener letters. I like Cool Ranch tuberculosis. That's right. Or uh, Southwest Picante, <laughs> south of the border flavor. Uh, would Up you... in Canada, they like... Uh, oh, they like tomato... Vinegar, vinegar and salt. Salt? Well, that's normal. Oh. They call it, what, full-dressed? Full-dressed TB? Yeah, something like a full-dressing or something. Ketchup flavor, too. Yeah. Well, that's fine, though. They have universal health care. I trust them. Mm-hmm. They know they know better than us. That's a good point. <laughs> like, lording over... We're like, oh, lording... Canada, they put their milk in bags. <laughs> and also, like, their society works. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like, well, we have so many more types of snack food. <laughs> All right. Congratulations. Anyway, neighbors to the north. We're real proud of you. Um... Our listener David wrote in and said, I'm sure by now that you've heard that our current president's cabinet has regular Bible study meetings where the pastor compares the president to biblical figures. I wish I did not know that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I don't want to push you toward commenting on the current administration since you're not that kind of podcast. Thank you for acknowledging that we're not that kind of podcast. We don't even read the news more than several hundred times per day. (laughs) But, David writes, it does raise an interesting question. What biblical figure is 21st President Chester A. Arthur most like? Lauren? Well, I listened to the uh, episode of the podcast Presidents Are People 2 about Chester A. Arthur. And I don't remember it very well, but I do remember that he, uh, like, cleaned up the civil service and, like... uh, made everything like less corrupt and like above board in the government. So I'm going to say that he's like uh, King Josiah in, uh, I guess it was the Book of Kings and Chronicles, who cleaned up the temple and rediscovered the Torah. That's that. So David, that's the answer to your burning question. Chester A. Arthur equals King Josiah. What do you think, Nico? Jesus Q Christ. Jesus Q Christ. Next question. Okay. Um, listener Justin wrote in uh, a former missionary kid and conservative evangelical who began to have doubts and then ended up leaving the faith when Donald Trump's campaign started. You're on a wild ride. Just, yeah, just like a couple years ago. I mean, like, not even. Um, and he says that's caused a lot of conflict in his life. Um, he had a really good line in the email, which is that the bride of Christ spread her legs for Donald Trump, which uh, he says it didn't go over well with certain people. Uh, Those people had, first of all, no taste because that's great. <laughs> but he 
he pointed out that he is taking the imagery from the book of Ezekiel. So that is some some biblically sound zinger there. Uh, Justin also sent us a dog to bless and a cat to curse. The dog is named Argo and the cat is named Loki, which I feel like sums up the reason why dogs need blessings and cats need curses. Why would you name your cat Loki unless mm-hmm. needed curses? Because it was a chaotic mischief god. Mm-hmm. So to you, Argo, I say, if those who lead you say to you, see the kingdom is the sky, then the birds of the sky will precede you. If they say to you, it is the sea, then the fish will precede you. Rather, the kingdom is inside of you, Argo, and it is outside of you. When you come to know yourself, then you will become known, and you will realize that it is you who are the son of the living father. Wow. Very nice blessing for Argo. Um, and to Loki, I say, woe to Loki, for they are like a dog sleeping in the manger of oxen. No. For neither does he eat, nor does he let the oxen eat. That's right. Cursed him by comparing him to a dog. Cats hate that. <laughs> And that will do it for Sunday School Dropouts this week. As always, you can follow the show at Sunschool Drop on Twitter. And on Facebook, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. And follow Nico on SoundCloud, uh, N-I-K-O-B-A-K-U-L-I-C-H. That's where you can find all of the original music from the show, as well as anything else I am doing. Also, um, of course, thank you to Elise Carlton for our beautiful logo. And um, if you guys want to leave us a little bitty iTunes review, we would be very, very, very grateful. Uh, You could be like iTunes user Sunseed is my friend who gave us five stars and said, as a liberal feminist Christian, it's nice to have a quote unquote Bible study. Thanks for putting that in quotes. That isn't trying to pander to someone's views or ideas of God. That's right. We never pander and we never slander. Except for all of the many slanderous <laughs> comments that we have made on this show. We never pander, but we love pandas. Mm-hmm. We never pander, but we'll get your dander up, that is. <laughs> yep. Um, that is uh, 100% true. And also you can email us at contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. That is sundayschooldropouts.lolnot.com. That's where you can send any questions, comments pets that need to be cursed or blessed of course we require photos in order for those to be effective yeah and argo and loki were both super fucking cute super cute and there's a picture of them snuggling and it's cute as hell she likes different animal friends i like it when two different species are friends with each other because that means that racism is not gonna win (laughs) an interesting extrapolation but (laughs) i tell you what We'll talk about that off air, and we will see you next week on Sunday School Dropouts. We'll see you Sunday. Bye. Bye.